When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast is brought to you by... Nobody. Thank you, guys. What do you think? Do you think that was... Uh... Smooth operator. <laughs> smooth operator. Operator. I think that was the smoothest operation of my life. <laughs> On the show today, the FIA hate floppy wings. Driver power rankings. Turkish GP is gone. Crofty's love files is back. Cody's top five teammate rivalries and crashes plus more. But first. I have to hand the mic over to a man, a man that once made love to all the Spice Girls, including Pepper Spice and Salt Spice, and a man that could lap Hamilton three times at Monaco. I've given the same car. That man is David Croft. Take it away, Crofty. It's lights out, and away we go. Once a week, one man emerges from the pit lane to deliver all the news, discussion, and results of Formula One. Well, that time has arrived. Sit back, relax, for the Park It In My Ferme show. Here is your host, Colby. Ladies and gentlemen, it's your main squeeze, Cody the Cultopotamus that's been lurking by the watering hole, looking for all that juicy Formula One news and opinions to discuss with you today. Look, look quickly behind you right now. Look, look, it's my Fermo. You know what you should do when you see my Fermo, don't you? You know what you should do when you see my Fermo? Park it on up in there as it is the Park It In My Fairmate Show, the podcast that talks all things F1 news, opinions, discussions, results, love triangles, beef chicken, broccoli, rivalries, and more. Oh, and and what a show we have for you today. A huge monster mammoth show to start getting everyone prepared for Monaco. Most interesting race of the season. Lots of overtaking. I bring you this present. Me talking shit for 30 odd minutes twice a week. That's two times, baby. So if you want to catch up, head over to parkitinmyfairmate.com. All the episodes are sitting there. 
ready, waiting for you to pluck them from the branches of the tree of F1 comedy and knowledge. But yeah, look down at that listening device of yours right now, the app that your podcast is playing through. Subscribe and follow button. Doesn't it look so inviting? You lick your lips as the button teases you, starts begging you to touch it. Then you gently caress the button with the tip of your finger. Oh, you want that, don't you? And you want some socials? Bam! I've got you some socials right here. At Parker in my mate. Facebook, Insta, Twitter. But enough of all that crap. What are we going to be doing here today? Monica was near. We go through the driver power rankings and see where they all land after four races. Crofty's lap files is back, baby. And we look at the top five moments where teammates crash into each other. And ruin everything. I'll give you your stat of the week and much more. But first, we need to talk about the news. News, 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 news. Cody, Formula One news. Pocket in my firm, Formula One news. It's the pimp news, pimp news. Didn't steal this. It's definitely the pimp news, pimp news, pimp news. Coming through your ears right now. Pocket in my firm, Formula One news, pimp news, yeah. That's right, it is Pimp News time indeed. Whistleman. Do your thing. We're going to start by talking about the FIA and the Red Bull's bendy wings. Well, the FIA are going to investigate Red Bull's rear wing and most likely ban the bendy wings. They do, uh, they're going to do some tests on them next month to find out if they are going to be dangerous or components that are moving. Lewis Hamilton snitched and snitches get stitches. He wasn't happy about it. Despite qualifying fastest at the latest GP, he said, The Red Bulls are really fast on the straights. They have this bendy wing on the back of their car, which they put on today, and it gained them at least three-tenths. Well, Red Bull team principal Christian Horner told reporters on Sunday his car rear wings have passed stringent tests and were legal. This is starting to feel like the Ferrari incident all over again from a few years ago where Ferrari... About halfway through the year, come back from their summer break with some faster cars. And teams didn't like it. And they said what they were doing was illegal. And I think it was Christian Horner who went all Karen on them as well. And he snitched. So we will see if Karma is going to come back to bite him in the ass. uh, Which it most likely certainly will. Uh, More news. Turkish GP is gone from the calendar this year. Due to coronavirus. Heard of it? You heard of the COVID? Well, apparently, quarantine restrictions and so forth and so on and blah, blah, blah. Turkish GP is out of here. And we're going to add in a second Austrian Grand Prix, similar to what we did last year. Except you know what that's going to give us. It's going to give us one of those back. Oh, to back. Ah, to back GPs. Three in a row, we've got two Austrian GPs. And I cannot remember the third. I think it's hungry. I don't know. But we've got three GPs back to back to back. I'm excited for that as well. Going to be very, very busy time of the year indeed. And it's not too far away. I think it's all happening in June. So less than a month to go until we all get started for that. Also, big congratulations to Grosjean. Pole position in the Indy 500. The man can drive. Just proving it to us right now. Another reason for Valtteri Bottas to keep one eye open when he sleeps. And that's... That's about it. Nothing else really going on at all. Oh, I think uh, Valerie Bottas is selling his car to help put money back into his go-kart track he owns, which is kind of nice. It's not bad. But we don't do nice here at the Park It In My Fair podcast. But that's going to be doing it for the news. 
Time to move on. We are going to be talking driver power rankings after every race. We like to list how the drivers are tracking, see where they're at, rank them in order from worst to first. And this is where you guys go to my socials and start yelling at me because I've got it out of order, but I don't think I do today. And also what I say is final. So if you want to talk back to me, step up. All right, I'm talking to you. You know who, you're, you know who I'm talking to. Anyway, number 20, last on the grid, Nikita Mazepin. Oh my lord, absolute woeful weekend again. Just doing nothing back then. Yes, I know the Hasses are focusing on next year, but why when we compare him to other rookies, or other, especially one in particular, Mick Schumacher, same car, just seems to be getting it. You know, got the respect of the field, able to make some great overtakes, able to progress each week. Mazepin seems to be going backwards, if anything. I thought actually he started out all right, but that might have just been in comparison to Schumacher. Um, so he's going to be dead last, 20th on the grid. I don't think I'm going to have too many of you arguing with me over that, although he was nearly your driver of the day. Moving on, number 19, daddy's boy number two, Nicholas Latifi in the Williams. Look, right now he's just there to make up numbers and pump funds into the team. Again, not looking great either. Um, let one of the rookies overtake you. Imola, he spun out, but the weekend itself for him. I expect, I was actually kind of hoping for two Williams to get into Q2. Didn't happen. I think uh, we only got the one. So Latifi just doing his thing, hanging out back of the grid. And that's where he is in the power rankings as well. Number 18, I'm going to give Mick Schumacher his dues. Fantastic race. I think he's improving week in and week out. I cannot wait to see one, what has to do next year, see if they can improve that car. And two, to see what Schumacher can do when he gets the chance in a car that is half decent. I think the kid can drive. His dad was okay at the sport. I think Mick Schumacher will be excellent given the opportunity. Great work with the overtake on Latifi as well. Fantastic drive. Love what you're doing, kid. Number 17, we're going to move on to the Aston Martin Seb Vettel, four-time world champ. What are you doing all the way down there? I mean, you're just struggling. The rear uh, deg on the... Um, sorry, the rear, rear suspension thing, whatever that thing is, that Mercedes got pulled up on as well. See, they seem to be turning it around. Doing okay though. So I don't know what the hell is happening at Racing Point Aston Martin to go from powering, to go from competing for third in the constructors. Now you're just ahead of, you know, a couple of Williams and Alfa Romeo, Alfa Tauris. It's not really good enough. Um, Vettel, you've been kind of disappointing. You can't put all the blame on the car. I do think the car's fairly undrivable, but I don't think you've been too great yourself either crashing into Ocon a few weeks ago but now just a horrible weekend again number 16 Sonoda Yuki rookie number three ahead of the other two rookies but my patience is wearing thin he's getting a bit sweary on the radio we all thought it was cute little cute boy Yuki Sonoda getting his sweary sweary self but now it's just getting a bit tired we're getting a bit over it I had him in my fantasy team I thought he was going to be you know Pay nothing for him, get some good results, increase in value, trade him later on. But paid $11 million for him to be in my team. He's been woeful, trade him out. I was able to get Norris for 13. That's just smart. That's stonks right there. Stonks, baby. But Sonoda, can you imagine? This is what I've got to ask you. If Mazepin was saying the things that Sonoda says on the radio, do you think that would go down all right? I, I think that Yuki's going to have this unbelievable talent. He's going to have some great races this year. I cannot wait to go to Japan later on in the season and see how he goes with the home crowd there cheering him on. But at the moment, as it stands, 
He's starting to go down. I think I had him about 10 or 11 last power ranking, but he's dropped significantly because I do believe he's just not got it together. I think he's starting to lose it. He's starting to regress rather than progress, and, and Gasly's making him look like a bit of a silly goose. Moving on, number 15, two-time world champ, Fernando Alonso. In the Alpine. Now, I've got him this low because Ocon's running rings around him. Ocon seems to be doing well in the Alpine. I love what Ocon's doing. Alonso's struggling. He had that great Bahrain race. And I think I had him in the top 10 then power rankings because he made it to Q3. He actually raced all right, went backwards a little bit. But now, there's just no pace in that car. He's always going to be looking to be out. He, he was racing Latifi at the end of the race uh, in Spain just then. You know, he was having to deal with Latifi. If you're battling for 17th or 18th, I think it was 17th, at the end of the race against Nicholas Latifi, you're not doing something right. Number 14, Lance Stroll. I actually like what Lance is doing. I do think he's getting better. A lot, of, a lot to do with his ranking now is because of the car itself, not so much him. I know I'm trying to separate it because it is the driver power ranking, not a constructor power ranking, but Lancey boy. Um, just just not not doing it for me out there you know and it's not really it's not really your fault so I am uh, you know I've got you there but you're sort of just flying under the radar you're in that midfield thing now doing nothing but you're at the bottom of the midfield too so it's not even a midfield thing for you guys that's the Martin pull your finger out do a bit better number 13 George Russell now a lot of people I'm gonna get a lot of hate for this George Russell I had him top 10. I thought he was outperforming the car. I thought he was doing brilliantly. Always getting out of Q1 lately. It's just looking great. However, however, he's always got himself into a position where he can go for points. But now, Portimao, he couldn't handle the car. Imola, he had the crash with Bottas. Spain, he was sort of nothing. He, he was getting up to that points and then just lost the tyres completely. Lost position he is just becoming a Saturday specialist. They call him Mr. Saturday, but we've got to start calling him Mr. Weekend or Mr. Sunday as well. You know, right now, it, it's not looking good. Um, I still have faith in him. I still think he's a terrific driver. I've got him 13th because half the weekend is being able to qualify and get yourself in a position for Sunday's race. It will be interesting to see how he goes when the sprint racing starts. I know you qualify on the Friday then, but having two races on the weekend... Um, I do believe that's probably going to hurt him a lot more than help him um, as qualifying when, you know, he can focus just on himself and no one else around him. He tends to do a lot better. But the next two are, are what's going to shock you. Number 12, racing car Jesus, Antonio Giovinazzi. Gorgeous, gorgeous man. I've got him in at number uh, number 12 there because I love what Alfa Romeo are doing. No one's giving him any credit at all, but they don't crash out other than... Uh, Kimi running into his own team. Right? Um, they qualify. I mean, the qualifying is horrendous, but the race on Sundays, they're always, you know, only one or two spots outside of the points. I think Kimi even got into the points before having the uh, penalty taken away after the race. So I love what Giovinazzi's doing. I think I've got him in at number 12. I just want to see him keep doing that. And I think there is a chance that Raikkonen and Giovinazzi will be getting points this year, both of them. Um, they will... You know, not be uh, not be last. There's a chance they could take it to Aston Martin. They're that consistent when it comes to their racing at the moment. I love what they're doing. Number 11, it's the teammate. Ice man cometh. 
Kimmy Raikkonen, someone connect his damn drink because that man is thirsty up in 11th on the driver power rankings. He's looking really good. Again, same reasons there. I've got him ahead of Giovinazzi, even though he crashed into him. Um, but that's mainly because it's, it's, it's Kimmy. I love Kimmy. Number 10, Pierre Gasly. Now he's making his rookie teammate where all the hype was. He's making him look like a bit of a silly goose. He's, he's all the way up at number 10 on the power rankings because although I had Gasly in the fantasy team as well, I also had to get rid of him. Alpha Tauri were my constructor in the fantasy team. I got rid of that because this year they've really regressed. However, I still think Gasly has a lot of talent. He's a proven race winner. He's done it before. He, I don't know if he'll be able to do it again. I think that the Ferrari's now being on pace. McLaren's up there. Um, Ocon's doing well as well. I just don't think we're going to get another one of those fluke wins like we did in Italy last year. Uh, but again, excellent driver. I think if he gets the right car, I mean, that that I don't think we can really uh, look at that Red Bull number two car when him with him in it as a uh, as him, you know, at his best. One, he's older now. Two, he's got more experience. And three, Red Bull number two car, no one looks at their best. Danny Rick was the best looking one in the Red Bull number two. Mark, and then Mark Webber all the way back. My two Aussie boys, my two Aussies. Shrimp on the barbie, for sure. Number nine, Esteban Ocon. Going to have to give you your props. I wrote you off at the start of the year. I thought Alonso was going to make you look like a right numpty, but you're actually looking pretty good out there, pretty comfortable. You're the number one driver at that team. I love what's going on there. I hope Alpine really build the car around you. Um, you've been looking great. I, I just, yeah, I want to see. I, I was never a big fan of yours. And I'm I'm saying this like I'm talking directly to him. I'm not. But if any of you guys out there, you're hanging out with Ocon, you're having a couple of Heineken 0.0s as uh, Rosberg wants us to drink because uh, we're getting behind the wheel. Make sure you let him know. I'm Ocon fan. I like what you're doing. But no, please keep progressing the way you are. Number nine, well-deserved. Number eight, Danny Rick. Probably a little bit lower than um, he deserves, but he struggled with that McLaren a lot. However, Spanish GP, great signs there. I love that he was able to get some pace out of the car. He's out-qualified his teammate three out of the four weekends. Obviously, that uh, Norris... Um, qualifying session in Imola where he got the purple, 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 whatever it was, and then got the track limits exceeding penalty and got that lap time taken away. Is a little blip there, a little asterisk on that one, but Danny Rick's done very, very well. This weekend, he looks like he's got that Sunday pace to back up the qualifying. I think he's going to turn around, and with Monaco being the next race, he loves racing in Monaco, won there in 2018. 2018? I think it was 2018 in the Red Bull. And I think... That's going to be a real sign of his. If he can qualify well there again, he's just going to have an excellent... I think he could probably podium in Monaco. I think a few things will go his way, but we'll save that for the predictions in a later episode. Number seven, Valtteri Bottas. Now, a lot of hate goes towards Valtteri Bottas, but having said that, what's he done wrong? You know, he's podium. He's podiuming most weeks. You know, he didn't in Bahrain. Norris got that. I'm pretty sure it was Bahrain, but uh, it might have been, sorry, it might have been Imola when he was all the way, got crashed out. But the last two races, he's been on the podium. He, he's doing what he needs to do to keep his team in front. Hamilton in first. You can't blame him. The reason why Hamilton 
won the race, not only because of skill, strategy, and all the, the car, and all that, but because he had a teammate up there as well. If Verstappen had Sergio Perez up there with him, then they Red Bull have strategies to play with. They can do some different things, but they can't. So great work, Valerie Bottas. You're at seventh. Don't let anyone put you lower. You just don't deserve to be higher at the moment because number six, I do have Sergio Perez, and he's very lucky to be there. Very, very lucky indeed. Sergio Perez in a Red Bull, the cursed number two Red Bull driver. Look, they seem to be going all right. He, he's improving, but out of the three main drivers I'm comparing here is Carlos Sainz, Danny Rick, and Sergio Perez, the three experienced drivers that are in new seats for this year. I mean, Perez seems to be the worst out of the three in adapting to the car. All right, moving on. Number five, Carlos Sainz. Oh, Carlos, you good-looking Spanish man. Moved across to Ferrari, completely wrote him off, thought, you're an idiot. You're so damn stupid. Going backwards, ruining your career like that, you moron. Oh, my gosh, has he made me look like a right numpty. He's all the way up there, number five on the power rankings. Great driving. He's adapted to that car so well. That car looks great. And with a teammate like Charles Leclerc. It's going to be a very, very interesting year for Ferrari. And I think McLaren are going to have a little bit of a um, tough time getting that third uh, on the constructors. I love that battle for third right there. And I love the battle for first as well. So there's so many battles going on. The battle for third is going to be really, really good indeed. Best of the rest. So Ferrari and McLaren right up there. And it's all because of the teammate, Carlos Sainz. Number four, Lando Norris. Lando, you've been probably number one or two those first three weeks, and then all of a sudden, bam, you dropped off. All right, I'm not sure what happened to you in Spain, but you didn't really have the pace there. You had Danny, you know, out-qualifying you again. Um, you just got to gotta keep that consistency up. I mean, it's not really... Your, your car's got the pace. It certainly has the pace, and you proved that in Imola, and in, even in Bahrain, but you've got to really... Keep bringing it. Now, we've had the three boring circuits. Well, we've got the third of the three boring circuits in a row coming up, you know. Portimao, not a lot of overtaking there. We just had a great race last year and a, and a fairly decent one this year. Span, Spain, we just had the circuit to Barcelona, Catalonia. And it isn't, you know, it was a good race. But generally speaking, again, not a lot of overtaking. And now we're going to have Monaco coming up where there's going to be no overtaking and it comes down to qualifying. So your car's got that pace. You did well in Imola qualifying, so now you really need to back it up again. I've got you at number four. Don't slip anymore. Moving on. Number three, Ferrari boy, number number one driver, Charles Leclerc. Charles. Um, got him in at number three. He's been phenomenal. Absolutely killing it in that Ferrari. Love what he's doing. He's going to have many podiums this year. Looks like an absolute fiend driving that thing. Um, very, very excited to see what he does. I wish, I wish we could get that Ferrari, that third, third car right up there with Verstappen and Hamilton. If we could get Leclerc up there with Verstappen and Hamilton, oh, oh my gosh, my something swelling in my pants right now. I'm that excited. Number two, Maxi boy, I've got you at number two, Max, and I've got you at number two for a reason. Because your car, I believe, is faster than the Mercedes. I believe. I think it's very, very close. But I believe it's faster, probably because of the Bendy. Now, the reason you're not winning is because Red Bull, not necessarily you, but you and Red Bull, 
are making these itty bitty mistakes every weekend. You know what team doesn't make mistakes? Is Mercedes. And by team, I mean Mercedes when they're looking after Hamilton. When they're looking after Bottas, they botch everything. Pit stops are like 55 seconds. Bottas goes out there with two tires on. Like, who knows what's happening when they're pit stopping Bottas. But when they pit stop Hamilton, it is slick. It is fast. No mistakes. Strategy's always on point. Car's always ready. Hamilton, no mistakes. Verstappen, when it, when it's you, mate. Pit, pit stops are usually generally all right, but it's your strategy. It's the car set up. It, it's always something. A little niggle here, a little overcorrection there, a little understeer here. It's always something that's forcing a mistake and an error, which means that you're, you're going to have to work twice as hard as Lewis to get that win. Now, do I think you can't win? No, of course not. I think you're a fantastic driver in a very, very quick car. And I believe that you're going to be pushing Hamilton all the way to the end. But that's the reason why you're number two. Number one is Sir Lewis Hamilton. Absolute freak of nature. Best driver we've ever seen, probably, in our lifetime. Well, definitely, in the last 20, 30 years, he's been the best. Sorry, Mickey boy. I th oh. Nah, well, I don't know. We'll, we'll have that debate another time. But Lewis Hamilton, 100 poles. About to get 100 wins in a couple of weeks' time. The man is a freak. Oh, but it's the car. I'll ask you this. We always talk about if someone else was driving that Mercedes, would they get the same result? That's what we always say. Or you put anyone in that car, they'll win. Anyone in that car, they'll win. Okay, let's turn it around. Let's put Lewis Hamilton in your car and see if he outperforms you. All right, probably not in a Red Bull because they handle very, very differently and I think Max is it's built for Max. But if you put Lewis Hamilton in that Ferrari... I think he outperforms Charles Leclerc and uh, Carlos Sainz. You put him in McLaren. I think he's up there with Lando Norris and Danny Rick. I don't think they're they're outperforming him. You know, you swap him with the key to Mazepin. He's probably handling that house better than Mazepin's handling the Mercedes. So I think we gotta we gotta look at it from that perspective. The driver can drive. It's not always about the car. You've got to marry the two together, and that is what. Mercedes have done. So Hamilton, I cannot fault your best start ever to your racing career. Same with you, Verstappen. Three wins uh, in four races. Excellent work. Um, and Verstappen with the one win, but excellent start to him. Always podying. Good word. But they are your driver power rankings. What do you think? Head over to the socials app. Park it in my firm, Twitter, Facebook, Insta. If you have any issues, let me know because uh, first of all, I'm right, you're wrong. Second of all, don't come at me. Alright, alright, alright. Now it's time for your stat of the week. I'm a stat man! Formula One stat man. Cody's a stat man. Yeah, stats. Uh, I'm a stat man. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Stat time. Yeah. Oh, so much stats. So many stats. I don't know if this intro is even long enough. There's that many stats. Uh, stats, stats, stats. Yeah. Ooh, so many stats. Uh, I'm a stat man. Oh, yes, I am a stat man. Now we're going to be talking stats all about Monaco. We're going to have a little Monaco stats here or there. But mainly a lot of... I want to talk about some stories of Monaco. It is a rich tapestry of tales from F1's most famous race. It, it, it has to be. The Monaco GP has to be the most famous race in F1. Okay, with the next race on the calendar being the infamous Mo Monaco. One leg of the Triple Crown, mind you. 
We need to talk about one of our favorite incidences for a race there. Now, I think in the upcoming shows, I will talk a lot more about Monaco, the tales of Monaco stories from Monaco, so you can be up to date, because I miss it. We didn't have it last year. There is a chance I'll fall asleep during it this year, but I love Monaco. The rich history behind it all. This is why I still like Monaco. I still favor Monaco over the Spanish GP. Even though there's more overtaking at Spanish GP. Not much, but there is more. It's the whole weekend. The atmosphere. The girls in bikinis. The itty bitty purple polka dot bikinis. So let's start with the king of Monaco. That is Elton Senna. Senna holds the records for most victories in Monaco with six, including five consecutive wins between 1989 and 1993, as well as eight podium finishes in 10 starts there. Eight podium finishes in 10 races at Monaco. His 1987 win was the first time a car with active suspension had won a Grand Prix. He won the race after Britain Nigel Mansell in the Williams Honda went out with a broken exhaust. His win was very popular with the people of Monaco and when he was arrested on the Monday following the race for riding a motorcycle without wearing a helmet, he was released by the officers. You know why? They knew who the fuck he was. That is the stat of the week. He's a stat, man! Ooh, that was a good stat. Yeah, such a good stat. Such a, such a good stat. You know it was. He's a stat, man! Hey. Let's go on with the show. Cool, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Now, once every couple of weeks, we gather around the fireplace to hear tales of Crofty's love files. And again, the escapades of one David Croft as he searches the city for love, is going to be told again. What's going to happen now? Let's find out. Only half my job was completed. I took care of Karun and saved one of Martin Brundle's beauties. Will my finger do? And you know it always does. But another one remained. It was my girl, Miss Normus. Dixie Normus. See, Karun kidnapped her and locked her away in a shipping container about to leave the port tonight to go up north. I always preferred going down south. I was worried, like a Hass owner when watching Mazepin try and drive, and I was scared too, like the other 19 drivers when Mazepin was trying to drive. There wasn't much time. Dixie Normus was locked away in an airtight container. I needed to get to the port in double time if I wanted to save her. I needed to set purple sectors all the way from the warehouse if I were to board the ship in time. I raced through the streets with my finger do by my side, feeling like I was back in Monaco. The tight corners, the traffic, the difficult overtaking, it was all there. But when love is involved, you manage to always find a way. Wilma Fingerdoo placed her hand on my upper thigh, trying to calm me. Oh, it did anything but. Her position was only a few inches away, and my bendy rear wing was stiffening up. Crofty, please calm down. There are plenty of girls in the well. You don't need Dixie Normus. 
Wilma said as she licked her lips, looking me up and down like I was a piece of meat. Wilma had sent me into a trance and I was fixated. Suddenly I lost control like I was Yuki Tsunoda in Spain. I went off. Wilma Fingerdo, are, are, are you okay? I asked. She was concussed, dazed and confused. Yeah, how? Yeah, I'm okay. How, how about you take me back to your place so I can rest up and you can nurse me back to health? managed to get the car started again like Hamilton and Emma and we made our way back to my office. The temptations were growing and they weren't the only thing either. Wilma Finger knew exactly what she was doing. We made our way back to my office and I had to assist Wilma up the stairs. But her hips, still moving from side to side, was mesmerising, like Max Verstappen warming up his tyres on a formation lap. And I had a little something formating in my pants for Wilma Finger we made our way inside. I'd laid her on the couch as I fetched us a couple of double Midoris on ice, the real thirst quencher. And Wilma was making me mighty thirsty. I turned and made my way back to her. She had gotten up off the couch and was standing there with a gun pointed right at me. I studied her body in that tight red dress and there wasn't an inch of her body where that gun could be hiding. Now, Wilma, what are you doing? Can't we play nice? I said as I slowly, cautiously and carefully made my way towards her. You, you were just using me to get Dixinomus. What about me? Will my finger do? I thought we had something. Wilma said. I smiled. I reached her, placed my hand on her gun and helped her lower it. I knew she had fallen for me because of course she had. She was around Martin Brundle and Karun Chendok. And now she got some alone time with David Croft. It's a dream of most women worldwide. Wilma, you know you're special to me. You're my main squeeze. There is no other for me. She threw the gun away and pressed her body against mine. As the gun hit the floor, it fired a bullet ricocheted before hitting the light globe. Wilma was frightened. I, d- I didn't know that they-, they could just go off like that, she said. Sometimes they go bang if you handle it too roughly. Well, Wilma, I guess this lights out, and away we go. Isn't that something? Make sure you stay tuned to find out what happens next. Has Crofty forgotten all about Dixie Normus? Wilma Fingerdoo just got her just desserts. And whatever happened to Karun Chandok? Find out on the next episode of Crofty's Love Files. Last weekend we saw Bottas defy team orders and not willingly let Hamilton pass him and it was bloody exciting. It's a funny thing when teammates go at it on the racetrack and we sit back and expect it not to happen, but it's very naive approach to believe that. Look at it. Look at it like this. These two are very competitive. They drive the same car and they're a really good chance that they will be near each other during the race. That doesn't just go for those two, that goes for every team across the grid. 
Bottas is a racing car driver first and foremost, and so was Lewis Hamilton. It would have been disrespectful for Valtteri Bottas to give up the position. If I'm an F1 driver and a rival was going to pass me, I would do all I can to defend and prevent that from happening, or at least make it as difficult as possible. But then there's the opposite way of thinking. The team guy. The make sure everyone is happy guy. Danny Rick is that guy. You think Danny Rick was happy about letting Norris pass him in Imola? Danny Rick is a phenomenal driver, but he was given team orders in Imola to let Norris pass to see what he could do. Danny obliged, and as a result, Norris and McLaren saw a great day. It's an interesting situation. I like to think that I would compete for the spot. But at the same time, you don't want to upset the team. Bottas is in the last year of his contract, and he's just bit the hand that feeds him. He is underperforming, putting in lackluster performances and now racing his teammate and defying team orders. When there are quite a few drivers chomping at the bit to get into the Mercedes, you would think that they would be bending over backwards to try and secure a spot for next season as well. But at the end of the day, as an F1 fan, I love nothing more than watching racing, watching overtake and battles, not only for the lead, but for the championship as well. That's why it's time for... Cody's Top 5. Top 5 teammate crashes in Formula 1. Ooh-wee, this is going to be fun. Number 5, Charles Leclerc and Sebastian Vettel battle it out in Brazil in 2019 with the two wanting to prove themselves. They fought tooth and nail to try and get into position. Take a listen as they both come together and both get a DNF for their troubles. Vettel will get DRS down the retro Aposta. Can he now fight back? Leclerc made it very tough earlier. And for the, oh, oh no, he's got a puncture. They made contact, and Charles Leclerc's got a puncture caused by contact with his teammate Sebastian Vettel. Oh, and Vettel's got problems too. The puncture. What the hell is he doing? Sorry. Puncture. My God, put and a double DNF for Ferrari that has been caused all of their own making. They were racing hard, they got too close, it's and they're both out. all over the track, and this is totally self-inflicted here for Ferrari. Number four, Danny Rick had what can only be described as a complete brain fart as he rear-ends Max Verstappen in Baku back in 2018. The pair were heading down the long straight with Ricardo's closing in fast, thanks to the DRS. Some might argue that Max was moving all over the track, doing multiple defending moves, but Danny Rick, at the end of the day, just plowed right into the back of him in what would be their last season together as teammates. Max's first scalp as the teammate killer. Take a listen. Not sure he's quite close enough. You can see Max knows what Danny's but he's oh. going to try and dive down. The inside, they have crashed. They've gone into each other. Danny Ricardo late breaking. Couldn't stop in time. Max Verstappen was right in front of him. Ricardo wanted to go left. Verstappen blocked him off. Thought about going right. Put on the brakes. He was too committed, wasn't he, Danny Rick? I don't want to talk about it. I, um, you know, it's bad for the team, and I think that's already uh, bad enough. Yeah, not not nice for from a team's point of view, and uh, for us to be. Yeah, we obviously don't feel too great. Now we are in the top three. Now you'll probably notice that most of these are going to be from recent years, as that is, I mean, I've only really started watching Formula One from about the mid-90s, going to the races here in Adelaide, Australia. Fantastic circuit. And then they fucked it all up and moved it to Melbourne, the bastards. Money, 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 money. Anyway, 
So there are plenty of rivalries back in the day, but I'm only going to be talking about the ones that are more recent. There is, although there is a surprise at number one. But we're going to start with number three. All three of these crashes coming up had huge world championship implications. First of all, it was the Mark Webber versus Sebastian Vettel crash in Turkey 2010. 2010 was one of those golden years in Formula One. We've had them across the decades, but there were so many different drivers competing for the world championship with Vettel and Webber both in the hunt. I'm a massive Mark Webber fan, and I like Seb now, but I didn't like him at the time. Webber and Vettel were in the lead when Webber left a gap that Vettel thought he could get through. Turns out that he couldn't, and as a result, Vettel got a DNF. Webber ran wide, and both Hamilton and Jensen Button for McLaren went through. They finished first and second, and as you're aware, at the end of the year, Webber misses out on a Drivers' World Championship as a result. Take a listen. To receive the tail pulling a move of Webber. Webber's left the door wide open. Oh, oh did it come no. together? Is... Webber and Vettel have come together. That's Vettel going out, Webber going out. What was going on there? Extraordinary. We were just saying about how they would race together. Well, suddenly, this race has turned. We've no need for rain. We've just got drama on the track. The two Red Bulls connect. Out goes Sebastian Vettel. And Hamilton and Button push on for McLaren. Whose fault was that? They just seemed to merge towards each other, if anything, didn't they? A little uh, Weber slightly left, Vettel slightly right. Yeah, there's some frustration. You know, it's uh, yeah, it's the first time in my career that you know we've had had a, had a problem with a with a teammate. But um, in terms of uh, spending so much was at stake. But um, anyway, hopefully uh, we water under the bridge at the end of the year. Number two in Cody's top five. Cody's top five in terms of more more famous teammate incidents in recent years. None are more famous than the coming together of Nico Rosberg and Lewis Hamilton in Spain 2016. You're not a racing car fan if you don't know about this one. The FIA deemed them coming together as a racing incident, and Rosberg went on to win his one and only world championship, breaking up the dominance that has been Lewis Hamilton. Rosberg pulls a racing move that forces Hamilton to yield. He doesn't, and as a result, goes wide onto the grass, causing him to spin and take both Hamilton and Rosberg out of the race. Let's take a listen to that and the aftermath. And it's Nico Rosberg and Hamilton's onto the grass. And Hamilton's had a massive crash. And he's crashed into his teammate. The two Mercedes come together as Hamilton tries to pass on the inside. Lewis gets such a launch off the top of turn three. And I'm afraid Nico Rosberg has got to take every bit as much blame for that as Lewis Hamilton. Lewis closed in and, and uh, I saw him coming, so I closed the door, you know, to defend my position. And the next thing is... Uh, you know, him spinning on the grass and, and taking me out, and we ended up in gravel trouble. What have the stewards decided? Uh, nothing. They just they said it was neither. They can't decide, so, yeah. And number one. Cody's top five. Number one on the top five when it comes to teammate rivalries and crashes. Now, this is the old school, the old famous one. Number one when it comes to teammate rivalries. None caught the attention of the public more than Alan Prost versus Ayrton Senna. Japan 1989, unlike the Rosberg versus Hamilton rivalry that impacted the championship that year, this incident actually decided the championship that year. In a very, very slow corner, Ayrton Senna was trying to sneak up the inside of the track. Prost said, nope, no you don't, nope, that's my spot, that's, don't you go there. And they came together intertwined, and that's all she wrote. As a result, Prost went on to win the 89 Drivers' World Championship. There were a couple of races after that. Neither driver competed in either, as it was already decided. Let's take a listen to what happened there. This is the opportunity that Senna's looking for, and he's going through. Out! Oh my goodness, this is 
this is what we were fearing might happen during the race. And that means to say that Frost has won the World Championship. Alain Frost, World Champion of 1989. That is all over for Ayrton Senna, and it was his own fault because of the slow corner. He wasn't past Frost, and he went into a gap, and Frost had every right to turn into him now. To be very honest, I mean, I'm quite happy to, to leave because I think it's, uh, it becomes absolutely impossible to work with Ayrton. I refuse to walk away from the fight. It's my nature to go right to the end, and that's what I'm going to do. And that was Cody's Top 5. Yes, Cody's Top 5 teammate rivalries. I'm all for it. I'm all for the rivalries. Get them competing. They didn't get to F1 in the first place without being competitive. I want to see more of it in the future. What do you guys think? Head over to the socials at Parker in My Ferme on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Let me know. I mean, we you don't want to bite the hand that feeds you. If they're throwing millions of dollars at you to race for them, you do what they say. But at the same time, don't you just... Don't you just want to just wanna take him out? Anyway, that's it for Cody's top five. <laughs> I'm getting so sad because that's the end of another fantastic show. Thank you so much for stopping by. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out. We've got a, we've got a preview Monaco. We've got two more episodes before the Monaco GP. We've got a lot to talk about. A lot to break down and we've got to predict the race. We've got to predict every single thing that's going to happen as well. So make sure you subscribe and follow on the podcast listening device of your choice. Spotify, iTunes, Overcast, Google Podcast, iHeartRadio. There's millions. I'm on all. I'm on them all. I'm on them all. I can't even talk. That's how excited I am. I'll bring you another one. Parkingmyfermate.com if you've missed any episodes. Like me on the socials because I'll like you back if you do. That's going to do it for another show. Thank you so much for stopping by. Thanks for listening. Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.